0: Hey, it's CNBC producer Katie Kramer here, and I want to tell you about a new CNBC podcast called Tech Check. CNBC's John Fort, Carl Quintanilla, and Deirdre Bosa are going coast to coast to bring you the must-have market insight into new technology and trends from the most iconic companies. Listen in to today's episode of Tech Check and subscribe to the podcast today.
2: Happy Tuesday. Welcome to day two of TechCheck, the new home for tech insight on CNBC. I'm John Fort with Carl and Diego Bosa. Another must-see show on tap today, the biggest SPAC deal ever. Grab, grabbing a new valuation and a different model for Uber and Lyft investors. Plus, Bitcoin surges ahead of Coinbase's debut tomorrow. We will look into that and buy now, pay later. Affirm CEO Max Levchin on his payments company and the fintech world. All that ahead this hour.
3: John, let's get a gut check. Dow lower, Nasdaq higher. J&J obviously dominating the market headlines today. The CDC, the FDA asking states to temporarily halt the use of the J&J COVID vaccine because of rare occurrences of a blood clot disorder. Travel stocks are reopening trade a bit lower. Stay at home names like Zoom and Peloton moving higher. Also getting some Boeing monthly order numbers crossing the tape and those headlines you will see at the bottom of your screen.
0: Meanwhile, Carl, SPAC fever is heating up to a brand new level here. Grab Holdings, Southeast Asia's biggest ride-hailing and food delivery company, is looking to go public in a SPAC merger valued at nearly $40 billion. Now, this would be the world's largest SPAC deal ever completed and a major milestone for the M&A frenzy that has swept financial markets. The move also means, guys, that Grab's valuation has more than doubled in just 18 months. Have a listen to Anthony Tan on Squawk Box earlier.
4: We are category leader in ride hailing, in food delivery, and in mobile payments. And you're talking about a $180 billion addressable market opportunity here. Now, when you think about how we've grown, um, we've really grown and grown sustainably.
0: Guys, here's how I see it. Growth, growth everywhere and not a profit to be seen. As Anthony Tan laid out, this is not the Uber of Asia. It's ride sharing. It's food delivery. And key here. This is also a significant fintech company that works with regulators in Singapore and beyond. Yet the fact, John, that it's not even profitable and isn't expected to be so until 2023, even though it's a so-called super app, begs the question that I know we ask often here is, can the gig economy ever be profitable? Yeah. And I'm talking not adjusted EBITDA profitability, net income, not net losses. D-
2: Deidre, I, I don't care about profits with this one. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Carl, I mean, and, and you know this, Deidre, better than I <laughs> you do. You and know, many we, others. We were, we, were, we were in Singapore almost uh, you know, a couple years ago. I remember meeting with Anthony Tan more than five years ago uh, over in New York. And really what they are is so much more than ride-hailing, food delivery. They really are that kind of almost China style app of everything in your pocket, leading the way to more digital commerce and particularly post pandemic as more and more businesses, especially local ones, need to move digital. And that links into the, you know, the tourism economy, all of that, Carl, opening up the possibility for fresh modes of spending. Grab has an opportunity, certainly in Southeast Asia, which is underpenetrated when it comes to technology and and commerce, um, to really be a big part of the infrastructure there. Uh, there'll be time for profits in the spring.
3: At least that's what a lot of the uh, the bulls argue. In the meantime, we're going to hear from Gerstner, obviously on the half in about an hour. Uh, talk more about altimeter in the future, but first, let's bring in Dick Costolo, former Twitter CEO and 01 Advisors uh, General Partner. Uh, Dick, welcome to Tech Check.
5: Thanks for having me. Great to be great to be here. Same team, new name.
3: Uh, it's good to see, uh, <laughs> it's it's good to see you again. Let, let's um let's dive into Grab. I wonder if if to what degree do you think it's going to be a cornerstone of any kind in the narrative that is the SPAC right now?
5: Uh, uh, significantly. I think one of the, you know, you're seeing Brad Gerstner, as you mentioned, um, a fantastic, uh, fantastic person. And he's been on your show many times and fantastic team at Altimeter, bringing another great company, uh, successful company to market. Now you've got folks, companies like Open Door, SoFi, Grab. I think this just reinforces the the power of the SPAC you know the real innovation of the SPAC and John just sort of mentioned why it's important here is you get to spend a a lot more time with the buy side you can connect and communicate with them in a way that's not possible during a 30 minute roadshow lunch so when you've got a company like Grab that's doing so many different things it's as John said one of these super apps it's not just ride hailing and food delivery but so much more that time to connect and communicate with the buy side is important and going to serve them very well I would assume.
2: And, Dick, I think that that super app status for Grab in that geographic area is particularly important at a time when the likes of Uber have stepped back a bit from those global ambitions. I mean, sure, they still have global ambitions, but these aren't the days of, like, five or more years ago when they were pushing into China, pushing into all these geographic areas and doing driverless cars, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like there really is an opportunity for the smartest local companies to make headway and form those relationships that are going to be barriers to entry for the bigger guys. And we've seen that be successful in recent years, right?
5: I 100% agree with that. You know, as you mentioned, 5N and a little more than that 10 years ago, all of these folks were really having to go out and raise what for them was a ridiculous amount of money to compete with the Ubers uh, who were pouring money into their local markets and trying to take market share. And um, those those days are gone. Those days are over. And the, the local, the big local players, the biggest local players like Grab have those markets generally to themselves now and can expand into all these other areas as they as, a, as Anthony mentioned on the show that they've done. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's a powerful company. It's a it's a great company. The other benefit of the SPAC, don't forget, is you've got uh, American investors who may not know much about the company. And the sponsor of the SPAC, when done well, like Brad Gerstner and Altimeter here, can act as a translation layer to the, to the, rest, of the, the rest of the buy side here and help the market understand what's really going on inside the company and uh, you know, where all, the, uh, where all the, the revenue lines and potential margin lines are.
0: Dick, good morning. It's Deirdre. Good to see you. Um, I wonder, as we talk about super apps, why have we not seen an American tech company succeed in making one? Even Uber tried. They, you know, had, they tried their FinTech project. They scaled back those plans amid the pandemic. You've even seen Facebook and others try to do this. It just hasn't taken a hold in the same way that Asian tech companies have been able to create this ecosystem where users don't even have to leave. So what does that say about our tech companies versus Asian ones?
5: It's a great question. I don't really, I don't really have a good answer to that. Other than, uh, I think uh, you know, here probably in the states, people kind of expect their the, the the company to do the one thing they trust it with, and and they and they move elsewhere for other things. You know, they're like, ah, I don't really think of these guys as that. I think of them as this other thing. Isn't Google uh, a and super app? in haptic? Asia, you see more of. I'm willing to trust this for everything.
2: Isn't Google a super app? Just kind of before the
5: mobile era, though. I mean. Perhaps yeah, that, that's fair. You know, their 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 uh, maps and, and, and docs and, and, and so much more. I, su- I suppose you could say Google is the is the one thing here that's a super app. I still, they've made, no they've made a bunch of products. They've a bunch of yes, that's correct. They've made a bunch of forays into products and shopping and commerce that really haven't haven't worked at all.
3: Dick, let's move you to the, uh, the next topic, uh, and that is a new record high for, uh, for Bitcoin today. All-time high, breaking above 63K for the first time. News, of course, comes on the eve of Coinbase's widely anticipated uh, direct listing tomorrow, seen by many as a major milestone uh, for the industry. Moffitt today uh, initiates bullish on the company with a buy. One-year target of 600, Dick. They talk about um, strong unit economics. Demonstrated profitability, but a pretty uh, up in, I mean, high level warning to those saying beware of long, protracted swings. And they say it's not for the faint of heart.
5: I mean, the history of the history of uh, of crypto and Bitcoin would would tell you that's absolutely accurate. Uh, look, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bull. I'm a believer. It's here to stay. Uh, um, it, you know. I remember seeing a crypto enthusiast on stage at a conference a couple of years ago say, look, Bitcoin's either going to be worth a million dollars or nothing. And I think that's sort of the point being, look, it's either going to get more and more and more valuable and blockchain will be used for more and more things or it's or it's not going to go anywhere. And I think we're, what we're seeing is the former. Whether it's ultimately a million dollars or not, I don't know. But it's it's obviously becoming more <laughs> valuable. Blockchain's being used for more and more things like trading some of these digital uh, assets like uh, NFTs, et cetera, et cetera. So it it's, it's getting more powerful. It's getting more broadly adopted. Companies are now putting money behind it and allowing customers to pay with it. I, I, I would expect it to just go higher from here. But as we've seen over the past years, um, since really its inception, just wild swings in, in price and people who are investing in it, putting money behind it, need to expect that that, that will continue
0: yeah absolutely volatility is the name of the game, but uh, many who are bulls argue for that long term story and in terms of coinbase, as we look towards that direct listing tomorrow, some have been skeptical um, on its valuation speculation that it could reach one hundred billion in market cap when it first starts trading. but you have to figure that this is a company built on top of cryptocurrencies, and it could eventually be worth be more than just a platform right This opens up a whole Range of things, just like PayPal started in digital payments and Square started with the hardware. Do you think that Coinbase can similarly become a big player doing so much more in the fintech industry, displacing perhaps what some of the banks do?
5: 100%. I mean, I've been on the show before raving about the um, almost infinite uh, total addressable market sizes of some of these fintech companies. I think, you know, here comes another one. Nobody ever thought, you know, people were. By the way, I remember when I remember when these guys raised when Coinbase raised a billion dollars. People thought people thought it was crazy, and now here we are at almost a hundred x. These fintech companies like like Coinbase, like Stripe, uh, like what Max Levchin has done at a firm who you we were talking about earlier. They can just grow and grow and grow forever because their addressable market is everything. Um, and as more and more things, and more and more companies, and more and more institutions look to cryptocurrencies as a means to you know uh, uh, allow people to invest and buy in different ways. Coinbase just makes that easy. I mean, try doing some, try, try processing one of these crypto transactions yourself without a, a, a platform like a Coinbase. It's remarkably difficult. Hmm. So, as it provides more and more accessibility to the retail investor and the retail buyer who wants to do things like purchase NFTs or or sell NFTs, it's only going to get it's only going to get more and more well, Dick, access to more people.
2: Here's what I, here's what I don't get, though. Right, I mean, part of the argument. For crypto is that crypto is going mainstream. Everybody's going to be doing this eventually. And it's like, okay. if you accept that, then there's going to be lots of competition uh, for Coinbase. They're going to face a lot of competition. And their take uh, that, that they get on each transaction is going to have to go down, isn't it? And then also, if crypto, as crypto goes mainstream, you could expect that there'll be less volatility in it, perhaps leading to less trading, which could hit Coinbase's revenue, right? So, isn't in a way the mainstreaming of crypto kind of working against Coinbase's revenue model?
5: I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> because every one of these platforms that wants to start enabling trading in these kinds of things needs. To, uh, and you think about things like NFT exchanges; they're getting sort of um, uh, down an eccentric path here now, but. As all of these places where you can leverage crypto to process some transaction or invest in something or or, or transact in some way, have APIs for processing those transactions in Coinbase. Uh, enables you to access those APIs or process transactions on those platforms or within those platforms. They just create a larger and larger barrier to entry. The barrier to entry. The newer competitors have to come in and do all those things in addition to all the uh, security and cybersecurity work that Coinbase has done on top of their platform. I mean, you know, cybersecurity and banking is 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 a ridiculous investment. In crypto, it's an even bigger investment because you've got all these people trying to hack into crypto accounts. So I just think they have probably an unknown and extremely large uh, moat and barrier to entry that will make it hard for people to come in and compete against them.
3: Wow. Fascinating, Dick. Uh, and then tomorrow's going to be another day to dive into uh, the uh, the barriers to entry. By the way, um, brings us to CrowdSource today, our segment where we ask viewers to participate with Bitcoin at 63,000. What is the best argument for or against Coinbase? Tweet at us at CNBC Tech Check, and we'll get some of the best answers later in the show. Finally, Dick, uh, social media at the center of a conversation about the role of information and misinformation regarding vaccines. Today, of course, the FDA, the CDC recommending a pause on the J&J dose. People wonder, uh, Dick, where we are right now in terms of social media feeding good information and boosting acceptance and feeding bad information and suppressing it.
5: Yeah, I think the platforms um, have a continued responsibility and role to play in making sure the best information is uh, being amplified out there and that misinformation is, you know, stays in the dark corners um, and, and is harder to get to. Uh, when these platforms amplify misinformation and make it easy to see that and hard to see accuracy and corrections, uh, that m- makes life worse for everybody. I do think in the case of this J&J news, The anti-vaccine crowd, I would say, is not a a uniform crowd here. It's not just anti-vaxxers. It's people who are anti-vaxxers, but also people who are like, look, I want to wait and see. These are new experimental um, uh, trials uh, that have been rushed to market in an emergency. And that group is going to be now probably a lot more reluctant to go and get vaccinated.
2: Dick, why do you think the social media majors out there haven't created more tiers uh, of views where you can see – perhaps people who are using to willing to use their real names and, and post their credentials and what their takes and information are versus people who want to more remain anonymous and might be trafficking in information that's a bit less vetted?
5: Yeah, it's a great question, and I don't have a good answer for you. I mean, I imagine the answer is it's hard, um, um, and, and I get that. But um, you would think that if you're a high authority source and you're credentialed and you've provided enough information to back that up. It's easier to have your information amplified. It's easier to be a part of the conversation. And if you don't do that or aren't willing to do that, there are some conversations and public conversations you can't participate in. I think that's a great idea and would love to see more of it.
3: Dick, um, appreciate this. It's great to have you on, on our inaugural week. Uh, we've missed you. Look forward to talking a lot more frequently. Thanks.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me. So long. <laughs>
0: Later this hour, what if big tech were banned from M and A? We will discuss. And after the break, don't miss a firm CEO, Max Levchin. We are just getting started here on Tech Check.
4: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary workday until
6: the Singapore presentation is at three a.m.
4: The office was shocked.
6: That's when we sleep. Maya made it less
4: scary with Canva.
6: (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime.
4: Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets?
2: Gut check now on the work from home space names like Zoom, Peloton, Twilio, Zscaler, DocuSign. Higher this morning, they well off their recent highs as investors weigh a pause of j and COVID-19 vaccine and what that could mean for the vaccine rollout and sentiment. We're also putting together some of our own indices for the launch of TechCheck. This is the CNBC Work Anywhere Index. You can see the sharp move higher on these J&J headlines. Deidre?
0: Coinbase is going public tomorrow through a direct listing on the NASDAQ and Bitcoin hitting an all-time high today in anticipation. Our next guest company recently went public as well through a traditional IPO and is a major player in the fintech and and payment space. Max Levchin is the founder and CEO of Affirm and joins us now. Max, it's great to see you again. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. So you've been called in the past a crypto skeptic, and I know the last time that you were on our air was back in February. You said that a firm may need to start considering cryptocurrencies if Bitcoin's popularity continues to grow. Back then, Bitcoin was approaching 50,000. Today, it's blown past 60,000. So what's in the works, Max? Are you planning something? Are you planning to take Bitcoin or other cryptos as a form of payment?
1: You know, we haven't announced any plans just yet, but uh, you know, I'm I'm nothing if not consistent. Uh, we certainly look at all the different, super exciting, frankly, uh, developments in the world of financial services, and cryptocurrencies is no exception. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll undoubtedly come up with something cool and very specifically uniquely a firm, but. Uh, you know, we, we've been at the forefront of creating transparent, honest financial products. And uh, if crypto can be used to further that mission, we will certainly uh, use all tools available to us to do that.
0: Are you having more conversations about it internally now? And I wonder, too, we're on the eve of Coinbase's direct listing. How do you think that that might change the game for not just fintechs, but perhaps market dynamics? I mean, we saw retail investors uh, make a huge splash over the last year. Now, when you get crypto enthusiasts, what do you think that's going to do to not just fintech names, but perhaps the broader market as well?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly uh, not 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 qualified to opine on something that I was uh, was was frequently uh, positioned as a skeptic. But uh, my guess is uh, crypto is becoming a much more of a household name, and so with every passing day, you know, certainly IPOs like Coinbase. Uh, bring its popularity and acceptance uh, more widely. So uh, again, something that a firm is certainly having conversations internally about. Um, you know, as, as soon as we're ready to uh, say something, we absolutely will. Uh, you know, we 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 announce our products fairly regularly, like our debit card uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, just please stay tuned.
2: <laughs> as we will, of course. Max, uh, good to see you. And we were also talking about Grab. And um, this plays into, I think, the broader uh, you know, payments space, fintech space. One of the more interesting parts of Grab to me is not just the ride hailing or the food delivery, but how they're enabling digital commerce and commerce writ large in Southeast Asia. I mean, I-, I know Southeast Asia isn't really where a firm is focused, but talk to me about the meaning of that, the significance of enabling more seamless commerce, perhaps uh, enabling the ability to buy from small business more easily and what that means for the economy, the significance of companies that are doing that? You
1: know, I think um, Grab is certainly an extremely impressive um, engine for growth. And uh, I happen to know some of the team there and and continue to be very impressed. Um, That said, I'm hardly an expert in Southeast Asia. I do have a very sort of clear and visible parallel in the uh, North American world, uh, Shopify is another platform where literally millions of small merchants are aggregated and have all these services combined into a single dashboard, single collection of um, you know, products. Obviously, we have a massive exclusive deal with Shopify to provide by an services. And so from that lens, it's remarkable how this bundling of products just makes it so much easier for merchants to say yes to all these new ways to grow their business, to sell more items, to engage their customers, and so in that sense, I'm very bullish on platforms. And Grab is certainly one of those. But I think there's a handful worldwide that are just kind of the new answer to you know eBay from uh, you know roughly 20 years ago, et cetera. So I, I think I'm I'm a very very strong bull in, in that world.
2: Now bringing it closer to home. Uh, Tell me about consumer behavior as we hope to be coming out of this pandemic. How much fluctuation are you seeing in spending patterns? What people are spending on uh, adoption of platforms like Affirm for different use cases than you might have seen a year ago? And how much of that do you expect to continue uh, as we settle into whatever normal is?
1: Normal is changing every day. Um, a firm is very much an acyclic business in a sense that we saw tremendous growth during the pandemic as folks realized that perhaps the only way to shop for a time will be boxes that come to your door. Um, that said, we're seeing incredible demand for our product among merchants and consumer demand in areas that have basically been on hold for the last 13 months. So we're seeing just a massive pent up demand playing out in travel right now. You know, at this point, um, we're serving our consumers all the time and we're seeing cost as the least important factor in a decision of what appears to be about seven out of 10 people are answering that they absolutely expect to travel when some condition is met. For example, vaccination or destinations are show less COVID rates. But um, out of those, 10% only care about cost, which is quite sort of, you know, bodes well for uh, for, for the travel industry. The other one which is kind of fun um, uh, 96% of couples that were planning to get married in 2020 changed their wedding plans, but only 7% called, called off their wedding. And so we're seeing a huge amount of demand. Uh, Our partners in the space are David's Bridal, and of course Peloton is uh, quite useful when it comes to uh, getting into wedding shape and Urban Stems and Men's Warehouse. We work with a lot of merchants that cater specifically to the wedding industry, and they are yeah. you know, appearing to be uh, having a boom
3: Yeah, no, there's no question about that, Max. I am curious to know, talking about the consumer, you know, a lot's been made of the the American uh, household balance sheet never uh, looking better, although the New York Fed the other day said, for example, that the savings that households have accumulated during the pandemic, in their view, do not appear excessive. And there have been some indications that the most recent round of stimulus checks are a little bit more likely to get saved than the prior rounds. Um, Do you sense any incremental caution among, among households?
1: You know, at the moment, no, I have to say that we are seeing incredible confidence um, among the firm consumer. Anyway, um, there's certainly lots of public sources that show that there's a tremendous amount of debt being paid off by Americans. So I'm glad to report that folks are being financially responsible. There's almost $83 billion in credit card repayment that was done in 2020. Um, you know, there's $1.7 more in savings than the beginning of the pandemic, which I think what you're referring to. I think that's not necessarily bad news, but um, we do see in our savings products, uh, which we've had for, for about a year now, very noticeable correlation between savings checks hitting people's you know, households and deposits in a firm. Uh, but in general, it's pretty clear to me that consumer confidence is very strong. It moved up sort of you know, one year high um, just recently, according to the conference board. I think... You know, cautiously optimistic, uh, especially in various vaccine news of the day. Uh, but I, I feel that uh, U.S. consumer is primed to uh, get back to uh, to enjoying themselves, to to spending, to traveling, to to getting married.
0: Max, great insights! Thanks for being with us today. We hope to talk to you again soon. Max Levchin, founder and CEO of Affirm. Thank you.
3: The White House yesterday, the chip meeting, might not have been the biggest news in semis yesterday. NVIDIA higher, Intel lower. That story's coming up. And Julia Borston's with us next. Julia, what do you got coming up?
7: Well, Carl, some big news this morning from two very different companies that both happen to be at odds with Apple. I'll get you those details next. That's coming up. Tech Tech's back in three.
3: Welcome back to Tech Check, our new focus on technology here on CNBC. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Deirdre Bosa and John Ford. Julia Borston joins us this morning as well. Take a look at uh, stocks this morning. Got a fresh all-time high on the S&P. Dow a bit more challenge. Tesla top of the S&P. First time above the 50-day since February. And some stay-at-home plays like DocuSign, Zoom, Peloton higher, uh, leading the NAS. Chips in the red, though. Micron, NXP, Marvell, Intel, all
2: lower by a percent or more. Yeah, that's what's happening in tech. Let's get a broader CNBC News update with Rahel Solomon. for Hi,
8: John. Hello, everyone. The White House says that the pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine due to blood clot concerns will not significantly impact U.S. vaccination plans. So far, only 5 percent of vaccinations in the U.S. have used the J&J shots. Administration officials say that they've already secured enough of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine for 300 million Americans. And the White House is calling in some coronavirus experts to field questions on the J&J pause at today's daily press briefing. Dr. Anthony Fauci and COVID-19 response coordinator Jeff Zients will join White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki at 1245 Eastern. And Johnson & Johnson also delaying the rollout of its COVID vaccine in Europe. And of course, following the announcement of the pause in the U.S., shots were set to begin in Europe this week. That is our CNBC News update for this hour. I'll send it back to you, Julia. Carl, actually.
3: All right, thank you, Rahel, Rahel Solomon. Let's get to Julia because I know uh, you're watching Epic Games in a bit of a fundraise today.
7: That's right. A big headline out of Epic. It has raised one billion dollars in funding. The company, which is best known for producing hit game Fortnite, now has a valuation of twenty-eight point seven billion. dollars, And this round includes an additional $200 million strategic investment from Sony, which invested a quarter billion dollars into Epic last year. All of this comes ahead of the trial starting May 3rd for Epic's antitrust lawsuit against Apple. That battle started after Epic Games tried to avoid Apple's 30% App Store fee and Apple then removed Fortnite from its App Store. Meanwhile, two headlines for another company at odds with Apple, Facebook. It's taken aim at the anti-tracking tools in Apple's new operating system. Facebook is expanding its oversight board. Now users can appeal to remove harmful content from Facebook and Instagram, Up until now, the board, which launched in October, had only heard appeals about when people thought their own content had been removed inappropriately. And Facebook continues its push into dating. It's now testing out an app called Sparked for four-minute video dates. The app, which is developed by the company's team that works on experimental projects, says that if both people have a great time, daters are then scheduled for 10-minute second dates. The app says it's focused on kindness. Uh, of course, Dee, this kind of move into other categories is one factor that has sparked antitrust criticism of Facebook in the past.
0: Right. And, you know, kindness, it feels like it's really becoming this buzz word in social media apps. It feels like Facebook's almost taking a page from Nextdoor, the neighborhood social media app, which is much smaller, but they have had these kindness reminders. Um, so, you know, it'd be interesting to see how effective they are. But Julia, I want to go back to the epic news that you brought us, uh, that massive fundraise at a nearly $30 billion valuation. So I checked out Roblox's market cap this morning, of course, recently uh, went public. It's nearly $45 billion. We don't know the rest of Fortnite's financials, of course, and Epic Games financials. But the bull case behind both companies, right, is that they're tapped into the metaverse, how much, and this is what I wonder, because my brother always says that his kids have moved from Roblox to Fortnite. How much do they compete with each other? Well, look, I think Fortnite really is definitely about the metaverse, but definitely
7: looking at an older demographic. Roblox has its hold on on kids and uh, that younger demo. But I think what happens is that Fortnite is really going after adults. It's not about kids as much. And yes, teenagers are playing Fortnite, but this is about getting people into the metaverse. They see a future where people are going to be doing so many different things in the metaverse and not just playing games, listening to concerts as well. But one other thing, Deirdre, I have to mention, you mentioned that huge valuation. Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic, still controls this company. He still controls all the votes.
2: Yeah, I mean, Deirdre, I think, Well, uh, Julia, I'll address this to you. So many of the gaming companies are trying to get into not only this metaverse space, but operating more as a platform, having kind of commerce loops in their games, throughout their games. I mean, so in a way, it, it makes a lot of sense for Epic to be valued this way because they've been a pioneer in this space. But then it also makes me wonder, can all of these gaming companies win?
7: Well, what I would say is that they just want to get you sucked into their ecosystem, paying them. And for Epic's case, they don't want to be paying those fees to Apple. And I think it's really about not just gaming, not just commerce, but also entertainment, which is something that Epic has really pushed a lot into. So the the question really, John, Carl, is how all of us can live our lives more in these ecosystems. And Carl, that's where the likes of Epic really wins.
3: Yeah, I'm looking to see if there's any um, other dating apps, Julia, that might feel that old classic you know, um, nervousness from Facebook, even considering a new kind of silo. I wonder if we've moved past those days, or whether Facebook can still uh, give uh, competitors a little bit of a chill.
7: Well, look, they have already made this move into dating over the past couple of years, and we heard some um, some funny comments from the CEO of—I'm uh, mean, sorry, the CEO of IAC—who. Uh, which, of course, at the time owned Match, um, Joey Levin, he said that they're not concerned about this. We've heard also from Whitney Wolf, heard the CEO of Bumble, that she's not concerned about Facebook's move into dating. So this is just really an expansion of that. And I guess, Carl, the question is really sort of if they really start to gain momentum. But some people are already meeting on, on social media sites. So the question is if, if this really feels like a different thing and can really compete directly with the Match or Bumble. So far, no real indication of that.
2: All right, Julia. Thank you. Now, NVIDIA's announced its own ARM server CPU. Again, we doubt they will gain much traction. Again, that's one analyst take. I'm impressed by NVIDIA's announcement out yesterday, but a lot of people dealing with the stock seem to disagree. We will break down the news behind the big move in that stock, and you can listen to TechCheck on the go. Download, subscribe, enjoy the TechCheck podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. We're back, you too.
3: White House Chip Summit wrapping up yesterday, the president holding up a semiconductor as CEOs and White House officials discussed ways to tackle the chip shortage, manufacturing delays, issues around global competition. It got us to thinking about this photo, Intel's former CEO, Brian Krasanich, in the Oval with President Trump, another semiconductor on display. And two's a coincidence, three's a trend. Here's Obama, 2013, touring an AMAT plant in Austin, Texas. Uh, for the executive, or at least the chief executive, John, uh, it is a bit of a photo opportunity.
2: Yeah, presidents love looking at wafers. I, I don't know why. Uh, but uh, speaking of chips, one company not on that guest list yesterday, NVIDIA. NVIDIA was busy announcing that its 2022 revenue tracking above the outlook, sending that stock soaring. Intel closed lower by 4%. Part of the reason NVIDIA announced is going to design an ARM-based CPU system on a chip, codenamed Grace, named after Grace Hopper. This is going after a high performance computing, at least at first. It's a narrow segment of the market, but it's a shot across the bow, Deirdre, to Intel and AMD as more workloads move toward artificial intelligence over the next uh, decade. Jensen Huang coming for the full stack, not satisfied with with just graphics, which we've known for a while.
0: No, we know that he is incredibly ambitious, and that has paid off. Uh, a central theme here, John, we talk about it often on this show. We talked about it yesterday. It all comes back to artificial intelligence, right? These next-generation technologies, which NVIDIA has certainly been ahead on, but it's pitching the new CPU to data center owners like Amazon and Google as a way to harness AI more effectively. And, you know, we talked about Microsoft's acquisition of Nuance yesterday yesterday. AI, the central thesis as well there, Carl.
3: Yeah. Um, and as for Intel, John, uh, today I did notice Cities Christopher Danley uh, did come out in defense of Intel uh, saying, don't worry too much about the NVIDIA news. But the question will start to get asked how many front wars they can handle.
2: Well, I think this just speaks, Deirdre, to the fact that Pat Gelsinger you know, He's an execution guy, but there's not a lot of room for error because so many of the competitors in the space, whether you're looking at the Foundry side, TSMC, Samsung operating domestically, or you're looking at x86 and the CPU market in general, AMD doing so well, you know, NVIDIA gearing up to compete in some of that uh, high-profit um, data center business when it comes to servers and AI. I mean, Intel, you know, has been struggling a bit. There's a lot of upside, but not a lot of room for error.
0: A little. Understatement, John. But what I like what Gelsinger said yesterday. He said that they're playing offense, not defense right now. So kind of a look into how he is thinking about These battles or, you know, ambitions that they're looking at on a number of sides. Meanwhile, guys, Bitcoin can't help but note it is hitting new highs on the eve of Coinbase's debut. More Tech Check coming up right after this break.
3: There is a legitimate breakout in Bitcoin today, all-time high above 63,000. And what a time on the eve of Coinbase's direct listing. Our Kate Rooney's watching that. Hey, Kate.
9: Hey, Carl. Good morning. Coinbase will be the first U.S. crypto company to go public. This is really seen as a big test of investors' appetite for other startups in the industry. More competition, though, is also one of the biggest headwinds that I'm hearing about. For Coinbase, its list of competitors has gotten a lot longer recently. It used to be companies like Gemini or Kraken, so those were a little more niche. But now, mainstream names you've got PayPal, Square, Robinhood, all offering crypto trading. And in many cases, they do that through a partnership. Some highlight Coinbase's first mover advantage as its biggest moat. It was started back in 2012 when Bitcoin was trading around 10 bucks. The company now has 56 million users. Its competitors are looking for a slice of that high-margin trading business. Coinbase is about to go public on $1.8 billion in quarterly revenue, almost all from trading fees. Reliance on those fees, though, is a big focus. Analysts that I'm talking to say that others are likely to come in and offer cheaper or free trades to gain market share. They predict another race to the bottom, like we saw play out in the brokerage industry. Meanwhile, guys, like you mentioned, Bitcoin reacting positively to this Coinbase listing It topped 63,000 this morning for a new all time high. Guys, back to you.
3: All right. We're going to watch that. Obviously, a big day tomorrow. OK, thank you so much. Kate Rooney. Uh, Tech Check is not just a one hour show here on CNBC. It's an omni channel brand. We like to think that will have a full digital presence online. If you're wondering what you can find there today, how about flying cars? what you will flying cars sky sedans electric vertical
1: aircraft think of it as an electric quiet helicopter eva electric vertical aircraft are quiet they have zero emissions and there are lower cost to operate
3: the big selling point is that when the eva's are up and flying you'll barely even notice they're there Big announcement today regarding Blade and Rob Wiesenthal. Our thanks to Rob. That full piece is online now, cnbc.com slash techcheck. Take out your phone, scan this QR code. It will take you to our website where we'll post our signature digital pieces, long-form interviews, extra content, and daily tech briefings. Again, use your camera, scan the code. You'll be linked to our brand-new website. Uh, John, that's kind of a nice uh, bell and whistle that we're rolling out.
2: Yeah, and it works, Deirdre.
0: I know. You tested it out in real time yesterday. Um, I'm loving these digital pieces. Big props. Big shout out to Fahima on our team, who's been doing a lot of the work behind the scenes, putting them together. Uh, guys, Morgan Stanley naming Amazon one of 12 condition, conviction picks as we head into earnings season. Bullish on the company's scalability and forecasting growth of one-day shipping. JP Morgan, meanwhile, out with a note on Apple. Bearish on the company's tax prospects estimating that a raise of corporate tax rates to 28% would claw back any benefits the company gained through tax cuts under the Trump administration. Tech Check continues in just a moment.
2: Let's talk cloud data. Informatica CEO Amit Walia telling me that 2020 annual recurring revenue hit $1.15 billion for them. Annual subscription revenue up 26% to 594 million. You might recall that company went private in a $5 billion buyout six years ago. Those kinds of numbers might not be private forever. Informatica this hour also announcing the intelligent data management cloud. This is a play on so many companies using multiple clouds. Here's what Walia told me about the multi-cloud world we're in. You have, by definition, already a multi-platform world. Customers
7: are running, you know, creating new workloads for which they will go to AWS. Customers have a Microsoft stack, and they basically see the best of breed products on that stack, and they go to that, uh, that platform. GCP has some great AI, ML, and a lot of other great technologies around analytics that customers use that, Oracle. And then if you look at the SaaS world, Salesforce, or Adobe, or a ServiceNow, and I can name many around the world. and you look at the data warehouse world, there's Snowflake, there's Azure, there's AWS, there's GCP. It's already a multi-cloud world. Customers will always pick the best of breed products, even in that world. Which is why even when we think of the intelligent data management cloud, we think
2: of putting our best of breed products on that platform to help customers weave their data together. Now see my full tech check interview with Walia on TechCheck's LinkedIn page at the link on your screen, or search CNBC TechCheck on LinkedIn. Full interview is gonna be up in the next hour. Uh Deirdre, this multi-cloud idea is so important for investors to internalize because it's part of the story behind IBM Red Hat, Snowflake, VMware, a lot of companies focused on making this usable.
0: Absolutely, cloud is eating the world. Uh, John, can't wait to see that full interview. Uh, Nice job there. Meanwhile, Apple appears to be holding its next product event on April 20th. That's if you ask Siri when it's happening, but it's still unconfirmed by the company. And then the day after, April 21st, Facebook is holding a showcase for its Oculus VR gaming franchise. But what if Facebook had never been able to buy Oculus? More tech check. We're going to debate that after this break.
2: Welcome back. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley unveiling his trust-busting plan. It includes a proposal to ban all mergers and acquisitions by any company valued at more than $100 billion, which got us thinking. What if... What if this bill had passed a decade ago? What would the current tech landscape look like? What deals would have been wiped off the table? Thanos snap time. Yesterday's uh, Microsoft Nuance deal, dead, not to mention GitHub, LinkedIn. Amazon would still be hungry to acquire Whole Foods. Facebook, WhatsApp, Oculus uh, could have been blocked. And it might be music to Senator Hawley's ears when he hears Apple's $3 billion purchase of Beats by Dre wouldn't have happened. But Deirdre, I'm not sure Facebook, Instagram would have been blocked because Facebook, I think, wasn't public at the time. And right now, that would mean Uber couldn't buy anything. Neither could Intuit. I mean, you know, Shopify couldn't buy anything. I mean, Deirdre, that's a lot of stuff.
0: I mean, there would be a lot of deals off the table, but what occurs to me is that it's not necessarily Yahoo or American startups waiting in the wings to do these deals. It's Chinese companies. We've seen Alibaba and Tencent be so active on the M&A front, not just in America, but, you know, mostly outside of America. So you wonder if that would have shifted the balance of power, which is already so tenuous between Chinese and American or Chinese and Western tech.
3: Really quickly, guys, crowdsource. We asked, what's the best argument for or against Coinbase? Jan wrote, it puts Bitcoin in the spotlight, highlights the legitimacy of Bitcoin. Russell says, regardless if the crypto's up, down, sideways, it takes a percent. It's hard to hate that.
2: You've been listening to CNBC's Tech Check. You can always catch us live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern.